Welcome to the Cumberland River Compact's River Talks podcast. Thanks for tuning in and becoming part of our growing River Talks community. This week, we heard from Sonia Allman, Manager of Strategic Communications for Nashville Metro Water Services, who spoke about the sustainable recycling process of water and valuable nutrients through wastewater treatment and what that means for Music City's new green fertilizer, Music City Gold. Thank you, Catherine, and thanks for having me. Um, this is something very near and dear to my heart, water treatment, wastewater treatment, and of course now our Music City Gold product as well. So a question, and some of you are not allowed to answer because you know the answer. When did wastewater treatment begin in Nashville? Does anyone have a guess? You're not allowed to answer. 1958. Prior to 1958, all the sewage in Nashville went directly to our Cumberland River. In 1958, the Central Wastewater Treatment Plant was built. It's this treatment plant that is right downtown. It can treat up to 330 million gallons of sewage a day. So the water and wastewater that used to flow right into the, the river is now collected and taken through tunnels to our wastewater treatment plant. So at the treatment plant, we use naturally occurring microorganisms to remove nutrients from the water, we return the clean water to the river, and then we have the solids remaining. Um, it was what we did with those solids that then became more and more of an issue over time and what we ultimately began um, taking to a biosolids facility. So we have essentially four treatment facilities in Nashville that handle wastewater. Our three wastewater treatment plants, the central, which is our largest, like I said, can treat up to 330 million gallons a day. The Dry Creek Wastewater Treatment Plant, which is in the Rivergate area on Myatt Drive, it is one of our, it is our smallest. It can treat up to 63 million gallons a day. And the Whites Creek Wastewater Treatment Plant in Bordeaux on County Hospital Road, that can treat up to 120 million gallons a day. In our treatment process, we take all of the wastewater from residences and businesses and industries, and it comes to one of our treatment plants where it goes through multiple processes. First, we remove grit, um, eggshells, sand, gravel, anything that gets into the sewer system. It then goes through primary treatment where we allow settling to occur. Secondary treatment, which is a biological process. We essentially take bugs, as I like to call them. We give them a food source, which is the wastewater. We give them oxygen to breathe, and we put them all together and let them be happy doing their thing and eating the organic material. They then go to final treatment clarification where we let them settle out. We use ultraviolet as a disinfection process, which essentially, I like to explain it as a really strong tanning bed for the bugs that renders them in, um, unable to reproduce before we put that clean water out into the river. So at our facilities, we've got the clean water back out into the river but we have all of these nutrients and these solids remaining. For many years, we were incinerating them. So from 1958 to 1994, we were incinerating those solids until air quality standards became an issue and we had to begin thinking of a new method of getting rid of all of these solids. Again, I like to tell people, we don't create the wastewater at Metro Water Services. It's all of the people here in this room and in our community that actually create that wastewater. We're just trying to clean it. 
So we don't have a lot of control on how often the toilet is flushed or what is put down the drain. It comes to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so we're constantly having to deal with it. So incineration was not going to be an option anymore with the, the strict air pollution requirements. So we began composting. We composted towards the end of, of that period, kind of 94, a little bit after. This as well um, did not work very well. Um, we tried composting We there at our facilities downtown. Lots of odors associated with that. We then tried working with a third-party vendor, and it was taken to Goodlettsville, mixed with wood chips. That did not work as well either. A lot of complaints from neighbors. That uh, facility was, was mishandled, led to some lawsuits. So we started landfilling. And in 1994 until 2006, we were just taking the residuals from our three wastewater treatment plants to a landfill. This equated to 20 trucks a day sent to a landfill, costing us about $250,000 a month in tipping fees. And these raw solids went to six different landfills in three states. They're not hazardous material, but it's a special material. So it had to go to specialized landfills. So it was being trucked several miles through neighborhoods, through Germantown, you can imagine being behind a cattle truck on the interstate, being behind a sewer sludge truck on the interstate is even worse. So this was not the best option, but really the only option we had. We were also at the mercy of the haulers. So if they said, we aren't sending trucks to pick up the sewer sludge, we were at a loss. I mean, it was still coming, it was still being treated, so we had to actually you know, find something to do. Realizing that the fact of 1% of wastewater is organic solids, they're loaded with nutrients, and we were just putting them in a, a landfill. So we were taking valuable material, putting it in valuable landfill space, and that's not sustainable. So we started looking at what other options are there. And we did a study to eval evaluate the long-term solutions, not only for our solids, but also the odors that were being created there at the facility. And this was done in 2001. We started looking at odor control options. We started looking at how can we be a better neighbor to downtown. And we really wanted to not only improve our status in the neighborhood, but we wanted to not only reclaim the water, but also the nutrients, be able to manage our costs and manage our process more, and get everything where it belonged, the water to the river and the nutrients back to the soil. So the results from the study, um, ended up in a huge report, and luckily in 2008, Riddell remembers this very well, we made a $135 million investment to put odor control at our central wastewater treatment plant and build a biosolids facility to handle all of those solids. So the odor control project is a biological odor system that prevents odors from leaving our facility. Any of you that have been in Nashville for a long time know that if you went down the interstate or to Metro Center, it stunk. It smelled really bad, especially on hot days, if it was a muggy day and the air was just hanging and stagnant, you almost couldn't stand to be outside. We now capture all of those odors. We put covers on a lot of our, our basins, and those odors are captured through these huge white pipes. The white pipes then take all of that smelly air to a biofilter. 
And the biofilter actually uses microorganisms to consume the odor-causing compounds, and then clean air is released. So that solved one problem of the odor, but it didn't solve our solids problem. The solution to our solids was a biosolids facility. The biosolids facility includes multiple components. It includes the solids thickening, or the daft. We have anaerobic digestion, and then centrifuge dewatering and pelletized drying. In the dissolved air flotation thickeners, which is the first step, we pump all of the organic solids and kitchen grease, all of those solids that come to us that are not able to be returned to the river as water, and we take them from the central wastewater treatment plant and our White's Creek wastewater treatment plant on County Hospital Road, and they are pumped to the biosolids facility. At this point, it looks a lot like muddy water, um, and it put, it's put into the dissolved air flotation thickeners, and we're wanting to separate the solids out from the water. And we do that by using bubbles. So bubbles are released from the bottom of the tank as it bubbles up. Um, the water goes to the top. Everything is taken down to the bottom. We want all of the materials to stick together, so we do add a polymer. That water is then sent back out to the wastewater treatment plant to be treated and essentially returned to the water. And the material at that point is about muddy water, and it is sent on. The polymer costs us about $40,000, so there is a cost associated with this, but it is still a huge benefit. From the daft, it goes to anaerobic digestion. And in my opinion, this is the coolest step. So in the anaerobic digestion, they're really like huge stomachs. So the material goes in there. It stays around 95 degrees. We have naturally occurring anaerobic microorganisms that break down the sludge. So just like in our stomachs when we eat food and it's being broken down, during this digestion process, they're eating all of that. They're also releasing a methane gas. So the digester gas is about 60% methane. And if you've been down there, these areas that look like the, oh, what have I done? Okay, I'm not gonna use a pointer. Oh, there we go. They look like Jiffy Pop. If anyone knows how to make the Jiffy Pop, that is actually where we store the methane gas, is in those domes. So we collect that methane gas and we're able to use it to heat the boilers. And so we don't have to use natural gas for that. So we're actually capturing our methane gas and reusing it in this process. So the hot water from the boilers is pumped into heat exchangers that you see here to the left. The material from the digester is pumped through there and they're kept at a constant 95 degrees. So we're, we're eating all of that organic material, we're putting it through heat, and when it leaves there, it's really just microorganisms and water. It then goes through a centrifuge to dewater it. We're wanting to remove that water from those microorganisms. And so we put more polymer in there to help it stick together. We spin it really fast so that the water is spun out. And at that point, we get a moist, like, Play-Doh type consistency. Not something you'd really want to play with, but we've gotten as much of the water out of it as we can at this point. Once again, the clean water is sent back over to the wastewater facility to be cleaned and returned to the river. Then the final step is pelletized drying. And we take that wet cake and we mix it with seeds, um, existing material that we have that are too small to be used by the, the farmers as a fertilizer, and we mix it all together and it goes into these dryers. 
And so it goes through the dryer, very much like a huge clothes dryer. These dryers are huge. They're so big that they installed them and essentially built the building around them. We have two of them at our facility. And they tumble through the dryer. The dryer flame is around 1,400 degrees. So the finished pellets come out at about 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So they've essentially been pasteurized. So they are now safe to handle. Um, they're, they're not, they don't contain any kind of uh, bacteria in them. You can hold them safely. You can use them safely. So they've essentially been pasteurized at this point. So all of the pathogens have been killed. And it goes through a shaker. We shake it in order to get a specific size. Farmers want a specific size of fertilizer so that when it goes into their spreaders, it spreads evenly. So the shakers will keep any of the larger pellets, which we then crush and use as seeds. It drops out the smaller pellets that we use as seeds. And those that are the perfect size are moved on to become Music City Gold. Air from the dryers, which is at 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit, goes through regenerative thermal oxidizers to destroy any odor, and then it's released into the air. So we're, we're meeting air quality standards, we're meeting all these other standards. And we have a lot of rules that we have to follow. Uh-oh, I missed one. Maybe not. Um, maybe I've just got them out of order here. So Music City Gold is what our final pellets are. They are a nutrient-rich, slow-release fertilizer. We have a contractor, Tycoa LLC, that sells them for us. They're sold to farmers, home gardeners. They were heated, like I said, to such high temperatures that they're safe for handling, they're safe around children, they're safe around pets. They're actually cleaner when they come out of our dryer than our hands are. So we will pass some, some biocellus pellets around, our Music City Gold product. Um, you're welcome to, to open it, you're welcome to touch it. Do know that once you touch it, you've now contaminated it with your dirty hands. Um, but the final pellet is 95% solids. So along the way, we've reclaimed most of the water and sent it back to the river where it belongs. We've captured those important nutrients in a, sustain in a sustainable way. And the, petal, the, the pellets have a metal content comparable to natural soils. We have to follow very stringent regulations. The EPA um, is a regulator on this. So we have to test for pH, total and volatile solids, nitrogen, potassium, um, phosphorus, heavy metals. And land application of biosolids is based on those metals and pathogens and all of the, the information, the, uh, the tests that we do. Class A cannot have any detectable pathogens, 38% vector reduction, and it doesn't have use restrictions. Class A exceptional quality, which is what we have at Metro Water Services, it exceeds all of that. So it's not going to attract, you know, rats or mice or other vectors. It doesn't have pathogens in it. So it's a, a, a fabulous um, product. It's actually more stringently regulated than synthetic fertilizers. So here's a sample of our nutrient analysis. It is on all of our bags. Um, we do do all of these samples. It has an NPK of 550. Those numbers represent available nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And it actually improves the soil. So it works as a soil conditioner. It promotes the necessary bacterial activity in soils. It loosens clay. It improves the consistency of sandy soils. And these improved texture of the soil promotes dense, healthy 
growth root, um, root growth. So it helps those, those plants take up nutrients better. So we've got healthy roots able to take up those nutrients. We're going to have better plants. It also helps reduce erosion. So the organic matter in Music City Gold improves the texture and water holding capacity of soils. So it holds water and nutrients, and it prevents them from running off, which causes erosion. It also, again, with the enhanced root um, growth, helps hold the soil stable, especially during drought and those types of things. So by doing all of this, we're also protecting waterways. When nitrogen and phosphorus find their way into creeks and streams, we know that it causes excessive you know, growth of algae, it produces harmful toxins, it degrades water quality, affects the oxygen demand, can cause fish kills. So overuse of chemical fertilizer is usually the leading cause of this. The nutrients in Music City Gold, since they're less water soluble than chemical fertilizers, they're less likely to end up in waterways. It also releases the nutrients more slowly, so it allows that phosphorus and nitrogen to be available to plants longer, even during heavy rainfalls. And it conserves limited resources. So landfill space. We all know that landfill space is becoming you know, obsolete. It's, it's, it's so difficult to find landfill space now. And we were taking 20 truckloads a day to a landfill. So that municipal sludge is now being reused. It's not going to a landfill to just fill up those landfills. And this practice you know, neglected the value of the product that we had. It consumed landfill, and it wasn't very sustainable. Also, phosphorus and chemical fertilizers is obtained by mining phosphate rock. The phosphate rock is a natural resource, and the mining process has a negative impact on the environment. So by reusing the phosphorus in the biosolids, we're encouraging the natural cycle of this nutrient and reducing that need to mine the phosphorus. And increased crop yields. You know, the improved soil structure, it promotes development of the root systems, it maximizes nutrient uptake, the slow release is of, of the vital nutrients actually allows crops to be adequately nourished throughout its development, and some farmers have actually reported their crops have doubled using Music City Gold. And it saves money. So based on the NPK values, Music City Gold is half the price of chemical fertilizers. So it also decreases a farmer's dependency on chemical fertilizers that have to be reapplied every year. So it's you know, working on the soil, it's improving the soil, so you're having benefits year after year after year. It can be purchased at the Davidson County Co-op in 25 and 50 pound bags, or you can contact Tycoa LLC to purchase it in bulk. So they actually take bulk trucks out to farmers to, to be spread on their farms. But for residential homeowners, gardeners, you can purchase it in 25 or 50 pound bags. So here are some statements of people that have actually used it for quite some time. You know, I love my Music City Gold fertilizer and my flowers are the talk of my neighborhood at how pretty they grow. It is simple to use and spread. Music City Gold keeps my lawn greener and thicker all summer long. So from farmers, these are pictures, you can see 328.19, 411.19, and 430.19. These are actual pictures that the farmer took. To summarize, moderate rain and the application of Music City Gold has resulted in fantastic hay yields on previously rowed crop ground. 
We look forward to seeing the results of spring 2020 soil samples as well, Lynn in southwest Robertson County. So people have been using them. People are loving them. I use them at my house. One thing that we don't promote because it has not been scientifically proven, however, many farmers say it, and I can attest to it, it works as a deer deterrent. So I had deer and rabbits eating my azaleas. I put Music City Gold on them, and they left them alone. So it has not been scientifically proven. We are trying to do some scientific tests to see, you know, to prove that. But time after time, we are hearing farmers and gardeners say, yes, it has worked. It has kept the deer. It has kept the rabbits. Um, so that is another benefit of our, our Music City Gold. As, it, as those samples came around, if anyone still has a sample, I'm sure you've heard in the news um, Music City Gold, where Tycoa is, they've talked about the odors and various things. Um, the samples that are in that container, John, if you will hold that up. You pulled those today? Okay, so these samples were pulled today. If you smell them, so again, these are very personal. They have a very earthy smell. It's not offensive. It smells a lot like dirt, kind of like a musty dirt. But um, it's not an offensive smell. So I put them in my yard with my dogs. I put them in my yard with my kids. Um, and it has helped my yard. It has helped my garden. And the things that we're hearing from farmers just say it all. So I've got John Lawrence here. He actually works at our biosolids facility and is an expert. I don't know about that, but thanks for having me. <laughs> and if anyone has questions, we're happy to answer questions about it. Support the Cumberland River Compact's River Talks program and podcast by donating today. You can find the link in our show notes. Do you want to ask, about how many truckloads do we have leaving? With the dry fertilizer, we're having about four to five truckloads a day. That we, we can only load 20 tons on a truck. So we can't get over 80,000 pounds. That's a combination of the truck and the, and the product. So. Well, we had, 20, we had 20 trucks going to a landfill each day previously. Around the same yeah, amount. Yeah, about yes, the same amount. Yes. But at that point, we were hauling a lot of water to a landfill yeah, as well. Yeah. So, you know, with these being, you know, 95% solids, we've eliminated a lot of that water and gotten it back out into our environment rather than just sending it to a landfill and paying for those tipping costs, the gas associated with those trucks, you know, all the liability of if the trucks were to have an accident on the interstate. So it has been such a benefit.
So once it goes into the digester, it stays in the digester. It's around 15 to 17 days to break down the, the volatile. There is about that much difference. Really, there's no, it's the same drum dried product. It's almost the same uh, breakdown as far as the nutrient analysis, the NPK, and the organics is about the same, anywhere from 80 to 90% organic matter. It's comparable, yes, sir. The reason that malorganite is, is the price keeps creeping up. It's because they can't keep up. Two years ago, Malorganite sold $30 million worth out of the bag. And again, you know, the initial odor, and if, if you smell this, it, it's, you know, a musty smell. So, and you know, we have essentially the same product here, made in Nashville, easily, you know, obtainable, and, and much less expensive. How much do you guys produce a year? Well, about 21,000 tons what we produced last year. I don't know of any comparison. So. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, usually, for, say for nitrogen, with just your household compost, you're going to reach around 10% nitrogen content of that compost. So as far as the, the makeup of the analysis, you know, it's going to be a little bit lower than you know, household compost. Right. Yes, ma'am. The to to touch on the the analysis again. Naturally, the farmer wants to boost that crop. We have a farmer in Arkansas that has four thousand acres in rice, and he doesn't even look at the NPK. He's looking at the micronutrients and what it builds the soil back to. Yes. Well, we haven't run a, uh, we, we've run our PCBs and our uh, leaching results on that. Uh, the PFAS is something we're looking at, you know, running the, the tests on that, but we haven't got that 
right now. There's around, there's probably 20 or 25, even in Hawaii, has, has a drum dried product. Yes. No, there's, that's not very many. It, it's a large upfront expense. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of, especially smaller utilities, don't have the funds yeah. to do that upfront expense. Um, you know, even with this process, it's not a huge savings as far as the operation of the facility. Our savings really comes from the hauling cost of that, and then more so the benefits. The, the neighborhood benefits, the sustainability benefits, and you know, to us, that's priceless. And 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 larger wastewater treatment plants and and the funding availability to do that upfront facility cost and and maintenance. As far as wastewater, on, on wastewater, we're actually soon going to begin an optimization pro program at the central wastewater treatment plant. So we'll actually optimize our process so that we can run more wastewater through there. So we're looking at our facilities. You know, we do have capacity. What really affects us most is heavy rains like we've had because a lot of our area, such as this downtown area, is a combined sewer. So since it used to go straight to the river, all of these storm drains in the downtown area capture rainwater, and that is combined with the sewage and put into the same pipe. So when we have heavy rains, our sewage plant is treating rainwater in addition to the sewage. So we're doing a lot of work through our Clean Water National Program to separate some of that out so that we're not treating rainwater and we're only treating the wastewater. So we do have some capacity. We are going to do an optimization program, but we do constantly look 5, 10, 20, 30 years out with our master planning on both water and wastewater. Go next. <laughs> I'm just you know, trying to understand the financial impact. And clearly there was a huge investment up front, but then you said we're like reusing the methane gas. Obviously there's a product that's being sold and we're not spending money Well, really, the, the reason that your sewer bill is essentially double what the water bill is, is the cost to treat sewage. And the fact that our sewer system, which dates back to the 1800s when they started dumping raw sewage into the Cumberland River, is aging more and more every single day. We have over 60% of our sewer mains are more than 40 years old. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of work that needs to be done on that. Sewer can be very corrosive. So as it's flowing through those pipes, it's causing damage to those pipes on a daily basis. So we're having to do a lot of maintenance. Nashville's currently under a consent decree with the EPA. We signed an agreement with EPA and the Department of Justice stating that in the next 11 years, we will do work on our sewer system to 
eliminate sanitary sewer overflows and reduce the number of combined sewer overflows. So that is part of the cost of your sewer system, of the sewer bill is getting our sewer system back into compliance over years of neglect and just those maintenance and operating costs. On the biosolids, we still have a lot of costs in operating, you know, sampling costs, electrical costs, staffing costs. And John, like if you Sonya want to... had mentioned the polymer that we use in the daft and the centrifuge. We spent last year around $2 million just in polymer alone. So it's the polymer is our most expensive uh, part of the process. Right, right. Well, once, is, once you all go out into to the community and start telling everybody about how great it is, and we get to the point that milorganite is, then maybe we will. <laughs> so really at this point, we're not really making any money on this. That was never really our goal. Um, and, and, and Burdell was just instrumental in the community in helping us get the biosolids facility approved and, and built um, and the odor control. And that was never our goal really is to make money selling a fertilizer. Metro Water Services is not in the fertilizer business. We don't really want to be in the business of marketing and selling the fertilizer, which is why we have an independent third-party contractor. But we want to be good neighbors. We want to be sustainable. And this even gives us more control. You know, there were times that we had to stop hauling because it was a Titans game. You know, when you have trucks coming through hauling raw sludge, and you've got all the visitors here, so we would have to store the sludge which was not nice to the neighbors living there. Um, and, and if the truckers went on strike, I mean, there were times that they said, we're not going to come pick up, we're on strike. And for three days, we're producing raw sludge, and we had nowhere to put it. And, you know, we can't tell the city of Nashville, sorry, you can't flush anymore, don't put anything down the drain, we can't handle anymore, it doesn't work that way. So with this product, we have less volume because we've removed all the water from it. It's not a smelly, you know, you know, volatile substance. And so if we had to, you know, keep it there on our property for a while, we could. But the fact that farmers want it and can use it. So, you know, it was never our goal to make money or become rich on selling fertilizer. It was our goal to be more sustainable and to be a better neighbor and to find a long-term sustainable process. And do you use it in Metro Parks? Or? We are getting there. We, we, we use it in Metro Parks. We're actually working with um, the sheriff's office and using it in some of their gardens. Um, schools are wanting to use it in their school community gardens. So, you know, again, it's kind of slow. It's, it's a little bit of a learning process. People, you know, in Milwaukee, everyone loves Milorganite. Everybody wants Milorganite. People that don't understand the Music City goal, that don't understand the process, still visually think of it as, oh, it's the residuals from sewage. And that's not at all what it is. You know, all of that has been removed from it. What this is, is a, the nutrients that have been removed from that sewage. And so nutrients are what we want, you know? Nutrients are the things that are, are naturally occurring in the soil. Nutrients are the things that we put into our bodies when we're eating our vegetables. And separating that out from the sewage is what we wanted to do and what we've done. Mm -hmm. Now, we haven't been to landfill since we've uh, been in contract with Tycoa. We didn't go to the landfill not one time last year. Well, right now, the it's stocked in the Davidson County Co-op, and she's going through the product submission list right now to get it into Home Depot and Lowe's and Ace Hardware. 
about three months, three to yeah. four months ago. Yeah. 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 It's very, very new. new. Very We're new. just now yeah. waiting off in it. Yeah. Right. Very new. Right. Very new. Yeah. Like I said, it's a learning curve, so we're, well, we're stepping off into... Previously, we had another contract, and that company actually took it and took it out of state. And, you know, they just hauled it out of state. And with our new contract, one of the things we also wanted to do is keep it local. So Tycoa is a, a local company. Um, you know, they're, they're giving it and selling it to local farmers. They are going some outside of the state, but we're really wanting to keep it as local as we can and promote it locally so that... Our community can surround and, and really bring Music City Gold up like Milwaukee has more organized. A lot of that, some of the studies that that we've done, a lot of that is, is like a, a medicine, the shelf life. It really does, it dissipates, it really doesn't come out in the in the product. So we haven't seen any anything like that. We have seen uh, caffeine in some of our test results, but that was the, the out, you know, the, the biggest product was the caffeine. Yes. It's really a, a fats, oil, and grease issue. So, you know, we, we really tell people, you know, don't pour grease down the drain. Um, it doesn't matter how much hot water you, you know, follow up with. It's going to solidify at some point. But when you put leftovers in a garbage disposal, all of the fats and, and oils in those leftovers are doing the same thing as, as pouring grease down. So in our sewer system, when we have, you know, fats and, and grease that solidify at some point. And even if a property owner puts a small amount, when you have a neighbor that puts a small amount and then five houses down a small amount, at some point that can cause a blockage. And then we have an overflow. In addition to that, we're having huge issues with the flushable or disposable wipes. So those are going into our system. So it's not so much a, a wastewater issue as it is a um, conveyance issue of, of that being in our pipes. We've done that in a lot of the areas. So of course, all of the newer systems are completely separate systems. Even in a lot of the downtown area, we have separated it, it is in a lot of cases. One of the, the concerns is, is like here, we have a First Avenue tunnel that runs down First Avenue. And Paul, you may know this, but it's like 60 feet deep. And it is so large, it's like 72 inches. You can drive a tractor trailer through it. Um, separating that under all of our historic buildings in downtown Nashville is almost impossible. And so we have a lot of issues in our city of the development that has occurred over some of these older lines that it just makes it difficult to separate. It's, you know, very costly. Um, it affects the city greatly. 
in a lot of areas, such as when they built the new baseball stadium, that area was combined. And when they tore all that down and were doing work, we're like, let's separate some of that. So when we have those opportunities, we take them. But Nashville will never be a city where it is completely separated. Um, we did the studies for our consent decree, and there's other things we're doing, you know, where we're collecting it, you know, we're optimizing central, but there's also areas where we're just collecting all that excess flow in huge tanks until the rain stops and the treatment plants catch up and the conveyance system catches up and then we can slowly release it. So there's a lot of options that we can do to eliminate some of those issues. That really, that really varies. Um, it varies on the basin, and it varies on the, the rain duration and the amount of rain. If we get a huge amount of rain in a short period of time, that affects us. If we get, even sometimes if we get large amounts of rain, but it's steady and over a slow period, we can keep up. So it really varies. That's all released monthly on our website. Um, so people know our, our cost for our consent decree to come in compliance is about a, about a $2 billion price tag. It's going to take us about 11 years. So that ties into the larger sewer bill as well. Mm -hmm. There has to be numbers around, I don't have on the top of my head. Around $250,000 a month. We saved, around, we saved around $4 million a year, basically. The very back. You can, you can buy it from the contractor in Springfield for a 25 pound bag at $8 and for a 50 pound bag at $10. They also sell it in a ton bag for $125. Right now, I think the co-op is less than $20, is what their markup is. It's a lot, it's a lot less than Malorganite that this gentleman mentioned. There's a lot of blended fertilizers. Yeah, cost-wise, there's a lot of blended fertilizers. I know we blend it with uh, chicken manure and biosolids and might put the potash or some type of mineral back in there. But it's right now the cost is lower until we get you know more of it out there. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's talk. To join in on the fun and hear the Q and A session from our weekly speakers, come visit us in the River Center in Nashville, Tennessee. But until then, thanks for listening. We hope to catch you next week with a new episode of River Talks.